This morning's scripture reading will come from Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophets. Good morning. We're really glad to see each of you here this morning. I know there are a number joining us on live stream this morning. We're thankful that you're with us as well. I'm having a hard time this morning, and I know a lot of y'all are too. It's, it's discouraging and it's disappointing that because of the pandemic and because of the surge and the virus and the things that are happening in the church here that we've taken, it feels like a step back. Um, I want to ask you this morning, because you're a Christian, because you love the Lord, I want to appeal to you to do this. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians 13 and look at verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Paul is writing about the characteristics of love. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love, that we're going to talk about in just a moment, suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely does not seek its own, does not provoke, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. On the basis of the fact that we love God and that we love the Lord's church, can I appeal to you for some patience and understanding? The elders love our Bible classes. They do not think that the Bible classes are unimportant, but there are other considerations besides just Bible classes. I didn't feel like I needed to get up here and defend their decision, but I've heard from a lot of folks, and I understand. I understand how you feel. This is one of those times when we all, all of us, need to think about what love genuinely looks like and how we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we've come to worship you today. We're so thankful, Father, for the privilege of being able to do that. Father, we're thankful for the church that meets here in Katy. We're thankful, Father, for the love and the faith and the hope that we have because of the gospel. We're thankful, Father, for what we see exhibited in our brethren. We're thankful for the zeal and the passion to, to do what's right. We're grateful, Father, that, that you have blessed us to be able to be part of this body. God, we're thankful that you have preserved so many of us over the last several months. We're so sorrowful, Father, for those that have gone on and have left us from this world. But, Father, we pray that you'll help us to continue while we're here in this world to, to do what's right, to love each other, and to love you most of all. Father, we pray for our elders 
as they make decisions based on what they believe as a group is best for the church. We pray that you'll give them wisdom and help them, Father, to make decisions that honor you and that, that lift you up and that help all of us to be able to serve you. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to study from your word. We're thankful, Father, for the way that you have taught us. Father, we thank you that we can look at your word and we can know exactly what you desire of us. We pray, Father, as this hour continues, as we worship you, that our hearts will be willing and obedient, that we'll be patient and understanding, and most of all, that we'll love you and that we'll love our neighbor as ourselves. It's in Jesus we pray these things. Amen. On one occasion before Jesus became, or before Jesus was crucified, as Joe just read to us, there were some challengers that wanted to challenge the Lord. They wanted to trap him. And so they came to him and they said, what do you think, Jesus, are the greatest commands? What, if you took all of the Old Testament and just boiled it down, what do you think would be the greatest out of all those commandments that God gave us in the old law, the law of Moses? And Jesus, without hesitation, didn't even need to think about it. Jesus in his mind went back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, and he said, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he could have stopped there, but he didn't. Then he went and quoted from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, and Jesus said, and the second commandment is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourselves. And when Jesus concluded his statement, the Bible goes on to say that nobody, nobody dared ask him questions anymore. Jesus was the master teacher. And if you had a question biblically, if you had a challenge, if you had any kind of Bible-related issue, Jesus could answer it, and he could answer it in the very best way. I love our Savior, and I'm so thankful that Jesus has done what he's done in teaching us and helping us to understand God's Word better. You know, love will change us. Love does change us. The Bible says that love is to be what we're all about. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. Let all that you do be done in love. Love is the badge of discipleship. John 13, 35. By this shall all men know you're my disciples if you love one another. The Bible teaches that love transforms us. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Think about that. Galatians 5, verse 22. When God has his way in our lives, love is one of the things that's produced. We need to be a people committed to love. As you look at Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, I'd like for us just this morning to make five observations about love based on the response of Jesus to the one who challenged him. Five observations about love. And here they are. Number one, love is a command. When we talk about love biblically, we're talking about something that can be commanded. It's not just a sentiment. It's not just a feeling. It's not just feeling warm and fuzzy towards somebody else. Love is something that is not just a matter of affection, it's a matter of the will. It is something that we can choose to do. In fact, we must choose to do it. And as you think about the passages that Jesus refers to, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and 5, we are to love God, whether we feel like it all the time or not. He is to be the object of our love and our devotion. 
Not only that, but the Bible says in Leviticus 19, 18, that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And again, in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39, Jesus repeats those two commands and says, those are the big ones. Get those right and everything else falls into place. We're commanded to love God. We're commanded to love our neighbor as ourselves. Not only that, Ephesians 5, 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. So in our marriages, we're commanded to love one another. And if we're honest with each other, sometimes it's kind of difficult to love the person that you're married to. It's a command, not just affection, not just a feeling. Love is something that can be commanded of us, and God indeed does command us to do this. 1 Peter 4, verse 8, Peter writes that brethren in Christ, Christians are to love one another from a sincere heart. Love each other fervently, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And in Matthew 5, verse 44, we are even to love our enemies. If ever there were somebody that I didn't feel like loving, somebody that I didn't feel like being kind to or praying for or blessing, it would be an enemy, somebody that you're angry with, somebody that you're mad at. In Matthew 5, verse 44, love your enemies. So love is a command, brothers and sisters and friends. It's something that Jesus expects of his people. It's something that we must in our minds choose that we're going to do. It's something that we must say in our hearts and our minds, this is what I'm going to be about because this is what God is all about. And it's what he commands of me. So my question to you this morning is this, how are you doing in obeying the command to love God to love your neighbor, to love your spouse, to love your enemies. How are you doing when it comes to love having been commanded of us? But as you continue looking at Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, notice secondly that not only is love a command, but love fulfills the law. Look at how Jesus explains it. He says, on these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. You stop and think about what Jesus meant by that, the law and the prophets. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament was divided into, into sections, the way the Hebrews, the Jews, divided the Old Testament up. It was different from the way we divide ours. In the Old Testament, the law had to do with the law of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And the prophets had to do with prophets' prophetic writings like Jeremiah and Isaiah. And when Jesus summed up everything that the law and the prophets had to say, he said, it all hangs on two things. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two things consistently, if you do those two things in every aspect of your life, you'll fulfill the law. Look at some New Testament passages with me. Look in your Bibles at Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Notice what the scripture says. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. There's a New Testament application of the Old Testament principle. When I love my neighbor, I fulfill the law. But don't stop there. Look at Romans 13, verse 9. Keep going. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. 
If there is any other commandments, all are summed up in this one saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, Romans 13, 10. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. We need to be a loving people because of the fact that love is how we go about fulfilling the law of God. Look at another passage with me. Look at Galatians chapter 5 and notice verse 14. Written to a congregation that was struggling with doctrinal issues. A number of congregations actually. Struggling with doctrinal problems. And there was some infighting and some fussing that was going on among the brethren because of those doctrinal questions that were being debated and discussed. And the Bible says in Galatians 5.14, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he goes on to say in verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. All the law and the prophets. If I want to fulfill God's word, if I want to fulfill God's will for my life, love fulfills the law. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible teaches that without faith, it is impossible to please God. I cannot please God without faith. But if you're still in Galatians 5, look back at verse 6. Galatians 5, verse 6. And notice that the kind of faith that pleases God is a faith that works how? Through what? The faith that works through love. Do you see that? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But my faith is not just going through the robotic movements of doing what I think pleases the Lord, but rather it's a faith that works because I love God and because I love my neighbor as myself. That's the kind of faith that's pleasing to God. Galatians 5 verse 6, all the law and the prophets fulfilled when I love in the right ways with the right priorities. That's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all that you do be done in love. Everything, let it pervade your life, let it pervade your experience, let love be your motive in everything that you do because it fulfills the law and the prophets. This is who God is. This is what God's word teaches. This is how you please God with this motive, with this attitude in all that you do. And notice because love fulfills the law, we're going to part company with our society right here. Listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. You're going to part company with people in the world who say that, yes, 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 love is what we ought to be all about. Okay. I agree with that principle, but love has biblically a definite shape to it. It has a definite form to it. Because the law of God is holy, the law of God will never lead us to sin. The law of God will never encourage us to do what's wrong, what's outside of God's will. Because the law of God is holy and because love fulfills the law, the shape of love, brothers and sisters and friends, is the shape of holiness. You understand what we're saying? Anything that I do that encourages or blesses or enables that which is wrong or sinful, anything that I do, even if it's perceived as loving, if I'm encouraging or enabling sin, it's not loving. It's not biblical, biblical love. It doesn't conform to the shape of love, the form of love that God gives to it because of who God is. 
The shape of love is holiness. Next, as you think about Jesus' words in Matthew 22 and how Jesus says that loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself, those are the two great commands. On those hang all the law and the prophets. I want you to notice third, that love has a proper order to it. A proper order to it. You know, sometimes in our minds, we think of those two commandments on equal plane. They're right beside each other. Love God, love your neighbor. But that's not really the way Jesus said it. If you look carefully at how he went about answering the scribe's question, Jesus answered one way first, and then he said the second is like to it. The first command is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second, which comes after is love your neighbor as yourself. And when you think about the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, do you remember back in the Old Testament when you were in grade school and you were maybe learning the Ten Commandments in Bible class? Do you remember those Ten Commandments and how they're ordered, how they're structured? Think about it. Go ahead in your Bibles. Go back to Exodus 20 for just a minute. Let me demonstrate this for you. In Exodus chapter 20, it's also found in the book of Deuteronomy as well. In Exodus chapter 20, in the Ten Commandments, There is a structure to those Ten Commandments. In the first place, Commandments 1 through 4 have to do with love for God. So as you're looking at Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17, you'll notice, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Not only that, but God says you shall not make for yourself any graven image. And not only that, you shall not take the name of your Lord your God in vain. And not only that, you shall remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy because this is a holy day to your God. So commandments one through four have to do with my love, my relationship with God. And then after those first four commandments deal with how we relate to God, the next six commandments have to do with how I relate to other people. After the commandment about the Sabbath, then you get to verse 12 of Exodus 20. Honor your father and mother. That's relating to people, isn't it? And not only that, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't covet. Those have to do with relating to people. And you think about it. Why does Jesus say, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the way the Ten Commandments are structured. And that's the way God's Word continually impresses us with where our loves ought to be. Love for God first, love for neighbor second, and close to it. Let me ask this question then. Why this order? Why do you think love for God comes first? Why do you think of the Ten Commandments, the commandments about loving God are first? Why do you think Jesus brought that up first, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5? Why do you think that was the first thing that came to his mind? Here are some suggestions. Number one, because it shows the supremacy of God in everything. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, because God is supreme in everything. 1 John chapter 4, and look at verse 19. We love him, the Bible says, because he first loved us. God's love came first, my love came second. And when I love God first and foremost in my life, that's showing the proper order of things because God is first and foremost in my life. 
He means more to me and he ought to mean more to all of us than any human being, any person. God means more. Secondly, because this is the character of God. The Bible says in 1 John 4 verse 8, the very chapter we're looking at, he who does not love does not know God because God himself is love. That's who he is. That's his character. That's his nature. And that's why love has a shape and a form to it. Love looks like God. What God says is holy, what God says is right, we ought to love and embrace. What God says is wicked and evil and sinful, we ought to shun and avoid because God, by his very nature, in his very character, is the definition of love. Not only that, this order, God first, my neighbor second, that order also helps me to think about the will of God. Sometimes what God wants and what people want from me are two different things. Sometimes what God tells me to do and what people command me to do by their authority are two different things. And Acts 5.29 spells it out for us. We must obey God rather than men. It gives us a priority in our minds and in our hearts. Love has a proper order to it. You think about why God first, my neighbor second, because it's the fruit of my love for God. Listen to how John spells it out in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. He says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. When I love God, who I haven't seen, it spills out of my life into the way that I treat my brethren, the way that I treat other people. Love has a proper order because when I get my love for God right, it's going to affect the way I love people around me. If you listen to Jesus and what he's saying, he's saying that there ought to be nothing in your life that is more critical, that's more important than properly loving and appreciating God. Because when that happens, then and only then will I deal properly with the people around me. Love has a proper order to it. Number four this morning, Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want us to contemplate this for just a minute. How do you say, I love you to God? How do you say, I love you to God? I know Christmas is coming up and a lot of you are going to exchange gifts next Friday and, and you're going to give gifts to your, your family members. And hopefully when you give a gift, you're saying, I love you. I've been thoughtful about you. This is something that I thought you could use or something you could enjoy. You're communicating love. You're expressing love by giving a gift. How do you do that to God? How do you say to God, I love you? Are you listening? God's word tells us Love toward God is best expressed in obedience. What? You're saying that that's how I tell God I love him by obeying him? That's exactly what the Bible says. You got your Bible? Open to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and I just want to trace this theme for a moment in John 14 and following. In John chapter 14, Jesus is about to go to the cross. 
He is thinking about his own obedience to God and how he's going to suffer and die because he's obedient to the Father's will. Hebrews 5, verses 7 and 8. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. And here's what he says in John 14, 15. Are you reading with me? If you love me, Jesus says, keep my commandments. Oh, but he doesn't just say it once. Look on down at John 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, this is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. What does Jesus say is proof, is evidence of my love for God? How do you say I love you to God? Jesus says twice in these verses, keep my commandments. Do what I've taught you to do. If Jesus tells me that I ought to treat my neighbor thoughtfully and with kindness and compassion, then that's one of the ways I tell God that I love him. Keep my commandments, obedience to his will. Look at John 15, verse 10, continuing with this thought. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, Jesus says. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. So Jesus is setting himself up as the example. He's not asking you to do anything that he himself did not come to this world to do. Jesus came to love God. And the way he loved God was by doing exactly what God desired him to do. By obeying lovingly God's will consistently in his life. That's what Jesus came to do. And then, and then... He teaches us to do the same thing. John 15, look at verses 13 and 14. In John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay one's life down for his friends. You are my friends, verse 14, if you do whatever I command you. I'll be a friend to Jesus. I'll express to God that I love him. How do you do that? You do that by keeping his commandments, by reading his word and by doing what it says and not arguing and not talking back and not saying, yeah, but it's just a matter of loving obedi- lovingly obeying what God commands of us. First John 5 verse 3, this is how we know we know God if we keep his commandments. This is how we love God. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But who? But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Who's going to enter the kingdom of heaven? Who is genuinely a disciple of Jesus? Those who keep his commandments. How do you say, I love you to God? How do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? By lovingly obeying his commandments. Yes, we worship God. Yes, we praise God. Yes, we can sing and pray and offer supplications to God. And those things are expressions of love. But all those things boil down to hearing and obeying his commandments. That's how we love God. How do you say I love you to my neighbor? That's another question worth reflecting on. If loving God is a matter of obeying him, If that's what it means to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then secondly, when Jesus says, this was like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself, what does love for my neighbor look like? Love for your neighbor, in a word, is compassion. Compassion. 
The word means to feel with. It means that in my mind, I put myself in someone else's shoes, I put myself in someone else's place, and in my mind, I think about how I would want to be treated if I were this person. That's compassion. If you could take the entire ministry of Jesus as he related to people, and you could boil it down to one word, I believe compassion would be the word. How did Jesus relate to other people? He was compassionate, consistently so. In fact, this is what he taught. This past week in our Reading in Sync program, one of the passages we read was Luke 10, 25 through 37. And Jesus was talking about being a neighbor. And somebody said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. You remember? There was a man beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. And a priest and a Levite came by and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan stops and renders aid. He is compassionate. And he takes this man who's bloody and beaten and left for dead. And he puts him on his own animal. He binds his wounds. And he takes him to the inn. And he tells the innkeeper, I'll pay Whatever this man's bill is, when I come back, I'll pay for it. And then Jesus asks the question at the end of that particular parable. Who was the neighbor to that man that was left on the side of the road? You know what the scribe, the Pharisee answered? The one who showed him mercy, compassion. How do I express love toward my neighbor? Express love toward our neighbors through compassion. Some considerations. We are commanded, because we love people, to esteem others better than ourselves. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4. If we stop and really think about it, there's always a reason in every situation to give thanks. What can I be thankful for about this person? What can I be thankful for about this person's talents and abilities, about this person's personality, about the blessing that this person is in my life? We are to esteem others better than ourselves. That's part of showing compassion. Not only that, we are to look out for the best interests of others. A man once came to Jesus asking what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. And you know what the Bible says? After they kind of discussed some commandments from the Old Testament, Jesus, looking at that man, loved him. Mark 10, 21. And Jesus told him a truth that was difficult for him to hear. Love sometimes means that because we care about people and we care about their souls and about where they're going to be in eternity and we care about how they relate to God and whether they're related to God, that sometimes we speak the truth the truth it's hard for them to hear, but we do so in love, Ephesians 4.15. Compassion. Being compassionate toward others means that we refrain from doing evil, Romans 12, verse 9. Refrain from doing evil. I'm not going to do any harm to anyone else. I'm not going to do anything evil because evil's not just about what's going on in my heart and my life. Evil affects other people around me. And because I love God and because I love my neighbor as myself, I'm going to abhor, I'm going to hate that which is evil. 
Compassion is about practicing or doing what is good. Galatians 6.10, as you therefore have opportunity, as much as is within you, do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith, the church. Compassion has to do with doing good. You know, there are a lot of people in their lives that, that live and they don't necessarily do any evil. They don't do any harm to anybody, but they don't do much good to others either. Think about this. There's two sides to that coin. If I'm going to show compassion, if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, it's not just about how I don't treat them. It's about how I actively get involved in their lives and help them to see God and his goodness and help them and encourage them on the way. Love towards your neighbor, summed up in the word compassion. When we stop and think about the words of Jesus on that occasion, the greatest commands. Brothers and sisters and friends, you could live your entire life and never master those two principles. Are any of us really willing to say as we sit here this morning, yes, I've got that licked. I've got that down. Loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yep, I'm doing that always. Loving my neighbor as myself, absolutely. That's all I do is love my neighbor as myself. Is that you? We're not enough like Jesus in our lives. We all need help. That's why we need each other. And that's why we need God and the word of his grace. Acts 20 verse 32. As God's people, may the greatest commands ever be on our hearts, in our minds, and expressed in the way that we treat those around us. Maybe you need to come to Christ this morning. The way that a person becomes a Christian is through faith in Jesus Christ, repentance of sin, confession of his name, and baptism in water. When one is baptized, they come into contact with the saving blood of Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to make that decision this morning, or maybe you need to ask for prayers. Whatever your need, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing. So mm-hmm.